Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. We're in the booth. It's a Thursday. Lots going on on a beautiful day. Turning down golf invites to talk sports with you on this Thursday afternoon. Good to have you along with us. On a great day on the sporting calendar, baseball, playoffs, football coming up at the Dome, and certainly the NFL and college football in full swing. And the hockey season underway soon. We're going to visit with Lucas Favalli of the Crunch. Their season begins this weekend. NHL got going last night. NBA soon to follow. This is a great time to be alive and a great time to be a sports fan. We've What do we say, Paulie, about not having the best stuff on the show be off the show? Let's have the all the good stuff on the air. And I think we need to bring the lunchroom onto the show. What happens in that lunchroom is the most bizarre and entertaining conversations. It's better than the show. Without question. <laughs> right? Without, and it was very radio friendly. It yes. was not uh, We're going to let people get involved in today's uh, studies. So if you'd like to call, you can. 437-7644-ESPN-44. Lunchroom conversations coming to the air gripping radio and certain questions that you cannot help but take a side on right everybody knows where they stand on fruit yeah you're either pro fruit against fruit you want it heated up not heated up we're going to get into that the really hard-hitting true questions of the day will be addressed here in the booth we start today though with an issue that i'm sure you've heard a lot about on espn and i'm going to dispense with the obvious what cam newton said yesterday in a press conference is completely ridiculous and idiotic right so he gets asked a question related to devin funchess a wide receiver for the panthers the uh, female reporter in question uh, jordan rodrigue of the charlotte observer says cam my question relates to devin funchess his growing confidence of late it seems like he is uh, taking in particular to the routes or routes that he's been running. That's a show we could do right there. Is it routes or routes? Anyway, that wasn't the issue. Cam laughs off the question. It's funny, meaning it's odd to be asked by a woman about pass routes and firestorm ensues. And Cam has been rightfully flogged uh, for his uh, tone deafness in this particular situation. I think uh, this morning on Mike and Mike, Stu Gotts would probably sum up the uh, opinion that I have most closely on this, that is it the worst thing in the world? No. Has he done a lot of great things that maybe balance this? Absolutely. But it's a completely stupid thing to have said. Jumping to the conclusion that a female reporter is incapable of talking about pass routes and for that matter, not looping in that male reporters could also be clueless in talking about pass routes or giving the benefit of the doubt. You can read more about it. Scott Fowler, uh, Ms. Rodriguez, a colleague at the Charlotte Observer, did a nice job of pretty much uh, picking that, uh, laying out that situation, picking Cam apart and, and blasting him. What, what I would say is I'm, I'd love to see 
the clip in context of the overall press conference because I'm blown away if the very next thing that happens after his response, and the response to the question itself actually was pretty good. He went on and and talked about his uh, teammate and the way that he's developing and uh, how they're uh, looking forward to having a good game for him. The Panthers are in Detroit this week, which happens to be where Devin Funches is from. He's a former Michigan player, and they're going back to Detroit. So uh, that, that is beside the point. But I'm astonished that the very next thing in the press conference wasn't the same reporter again. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, Cam. What? What are you talking about? Why would you laugh at me asking a question about pass routes or that the uh, media relations personnel, maybe they might have given a sign, you know, touch the elbow for immediate apology or backtrack or you're in deep water here. Uh, maybe you should backpedal. Cam is a fun-loving guy. Cam has a huge smile. Cam, by all accounts, is a tremendous human being. Um, clearly uh, stepped in it in this uh, situation and didn't seem to immediately understand uh, the severity of it. That happens to a lot of people, uh, present company included, when you're in front of a microphone and, and uh, aren't able to take, take something back quickly enough or aren't aware of your surroundings or whatever it might be. But uh, I'm blown away, not only that, but then to hear the post press conference recap again from Ms. Rodriguez's perspective she said she sought him out uh it didn't make it better it got worse he didn't really apologize he said well I guess I should have instead of singling out women I should have said it's funny to hear any reporter asking about uh, pass routes hint hint uh, because why would you why would you know uh in parentheses um and then when he she, when she asked him if he knew her name, he did not. And she's been on the beat of the Charlotte Observer for a month, or for a year, I'm sorry. So that's where uh, I think there was a lot of ball dropping in this particular situation. And it goes in stark contrast to something that went on social media last week that I think was kind of pointed out. And I don't know if you saw this, Polly, but uh, to me, it was almost presented like, isn't this odd or funny that he does this? But maybe you saw on Twitter going around a picture. It says, hey, Kirk Cousins keeps in his locker a collection of the headshots of the reporters of, that cover the Washington Redskins. And I think that was the, the comment being made by, by putting that out was not just, hey, as a matter of fact, or hey, isn't that a little weird or isn't he OCD in doing that? And I could not agree. I mean, I think every professional athlete should do that. I think major college athletes that are getting interviewed here on a regular basis, I think, you know, small markets or smaller towns here. Eric Dungey knows who everybody is, but it wouldn't hurt to kind of coach him up on who these people are and why they're asking you questions and what they're trying to get at. And uh, certainly the coaches are uh, are coached in that effect. And uh, Cam Newton, in this case, should know. Again, it's in contrast to the Jameis Winston piece from last week on ESPN. They showed to the extent that he knows everybody's name in the building, etc. Uh, that puts you in much more position to succeed or to be given the benefit of the doubt, and hopefully Cam Newton understands that. Cam lost a sponsorship already. Over Did he really? Year. He yeah. lost. Uh, Dan and pulled the the wow, plug on him. Not going to use him. him anymore. So, so yeah, not going well. You know, a very quick, flippant comment that uh, did major damage, and uh, just not a, a bright thing to say. And I'm surprised uh, he may have had his guard let down and. Uh, Got himself in some hot water there, and we'll hear more. It's a tough uh, circumstance for Jordan Rodriguez to be on the the beat there and to have to sort of continue to deal with that, but she'll uh, overcome it because her true colors will show through in the, the quality of her work 
and uh, the support of uh, her staff mates and the, the rest of the media, et cetera, and the media relations professionals of the uh, Carolina Panthers are in a, a tough spot now to uh, get Cam back in the good column because, uh, for the most part, he has been with uh, a couple of curveballs or a couple of mistakes here and there. So uh, that will be one to watch. Football this weekend at the Carrier Dome, the Orange and Pitt. Really a must-win for Syracuse to have any uh, sort of hope at a ball to keep from uh, watching this one slide in a significant way. That is a 12-30 kickoff. We will say this. The Orange are going to be underdogs in the three games following, which you know we talk here in terms of the opportunity that that provides uh, for upsets against the defending national champion, Clemson, who looks just completely loaded and uh, likely to steamroll just about everybody on their schedule. They've got Wake Forest this weekend, and uh, Wake is actually uh, looking better and, and seem to be stabilized there under coach uh, Dave Clawson. The Orange follow up the Clemson game with a road trip to Miami, then a bye week, then a road trip to Florida State. So, uh, again, the Cuse will be underdogs in three straight uh, following this game against uh, Pittsburgh on Saturday. Uh, it would behoove them to have a good showing, clean up some of the things that have left them just short of uh, an LSU team that's talented, that's uh, struggling a bit, of course, and then an NC State team that's pretty good. NC State in the top 25, and they play tonight against Louisville in a rare Thursday night ACC game. Lots going on there. We'll be at uh, Marriott Syracuse downtown tonight for the Dino Babers show, brought to you by AmeriQ, and our guest will be Orange defensive ends coach Vincent Reynolds. So looking forward to that. When we come back, Bill Hillgrove, longtime voice of Pitt Panther football and the Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll join us. The one and only Grover is next. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants return to New York to face the Chargers. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. And he flips it, and it's thrown in the back of the end zone, and that's a touchdown in the front of the end zone. Antonio Brown, the left-hander, from four yards out, a little razzle-dazzle with a strange formation. There he is, Bill Hillgrove, longtime voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers and even longer the Pitt Panthers, joining us in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hello, Grover. How are you? I'm good, man. How's everything up your way? Good, man. Beautiful day. We, we should be out on the back nine right now, but I'm, I'm there's work to be done. I'm in a rainstorm in the Burke. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, uh, that's all right. It'll pass. Like we, uh, else. Uh, we appreciate the time, and uh, Paulie's pushing the buttons here, so I'm sure he's going to have a Steelers question for you later. But uh, wanted to get into the game on Saturday, and you know, d- doing a lot of homework uh, this week and, and studying up on Pitt. I guess I was taken aback by just how many, when you really sit down and look at it, losses there were from last year's team. You know, James Conner moves on after a very successful career, but the, the two offensive linemen and the quarterback, Nathan Peterman, with the Bills and uh, Juan Price we knew and, and on and on and on. They've really had to invent themselves uh, over again this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, we, that's accurate. And, uh, you know, the O-line I thought would be deeper, and it is, but it is not performing up to the level that they wanted. Uh, Do they miss James that much? Probably, but still... They've got some good running backs in Olison and Moss uh, and Hall, and, you know, they, they're okay there. And then they'll sneak Whitehead on the field. But last week, Snuckavante Maddox, a cornerback on the field for offense. So, uh, you know, I, I really think their run game problems have been uh, basically a little bit of everything. 
And, you know, I, I know some people are maybe have grown a little bit impatient with Pat Narduzzi, but he certainly didn't make up that schedule this year. Right. I mean, the second game of the year, we face arguably the best back in college football. Uh, then we come home to face arguably the best quarterback in college football and Mason Rudolph. And then we got a, you know, hell week to get ready for tuck blocks and that sure. juggernaut offense that Paul Johnson has down at Georgia Tech. So we recovered. Uh, Rice was a good experience. Uh, Max Brown, uh, you know, he had every pass on somebody's hands, uh, wearing his own colored jersey, by the way. <laughs> and uh, of the four incompletions, two of them were dead drops. One was a wicked hit on the tight end, and, you know, anybody would have coughed that one up. Uh, he just had one of those days where he was in the zone. He's probably going to have to need it this week because you guys, you kind of revamped uh, your, your defense, and especially up front, and I think you're a lot more stout and a lot stronger. Well, I don't think they're going to give up, give up 76. That I can pretty much guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the basketball game? Yeah, well, that's outscored your typical uh, Syracuse-Pittsburgh basketball game last year's uh, 76-61 Pitt win at Heinz Field. You know, I love talking about scheduling, Bill, and, you know, Syracuse here, everybody wants to say, hey, look, this is among the most difficult schedules in the country, and it is, but you make the point right away, Pitt doesn't want to hear it. Pitt, Pitt at Penn State, we talked about this on yesterday's show, Saquon Barkley is maybe the best individual player in college football. Oklahoma State's going to put up a lot of points on everyone, and uh, they certainly lit up Pittsburgh in that game. And then as you say, this the idea of Georgia Tech, which would be a divisional game for Pitt, so you play every year, um, that is no picnic. And here, even my, my partner Chris Gedney and, and a lot of others will say, hey, Syracuse should play Army. And I'm, I'm all for it from a historical perspective, regional, et cetera. I don't know that I would want to play Army because of what you just pointed out. Their style is so different. I maybe would want to play Army in the year that I had Georgia Tech on the schedule, which would be hard to coordinate. But uh, it's a, a different style. It takes something out of your team. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, and to the point of Oklahoma State, you know, Rudolph, uh, well, he's not only a great quarterback, he's got three receivers that I'm sure the Sunday League is looking at. <laughs> uh, not one, not two, but three great receivers. And they took advantage of our safety. Now, there was no Jordan Whitehead. DeMar Hamlin still hadn't become fully healthy. I think with those two kids inside now, we're getting stronger at that position. The corners are playing pretty well. Uh, and our, our defensive line, I should say, uh, you know, there's no one price, but uh, there's probably more pressure with three and four guys uh, than we used to have to do with Price mm-hmm. and Blitzing Department. The uh, safeties there, Jordan Whitehead is back. He did not play the first uh, three games, but his come on to make an immediate impact in his return. The corners of Ante Maddox and uh, Dane Jackson, who had a 20-yard uh, touchdown return last year on an interception. So uh, that's kind of the defensive personnel. Uh, Sean Adowu is an outside linebacker, has been uh, making all the tackles, and looks like he's the kind of guy that has benefited now from an opportunity to play a little more. Yeah, that's for sure, and... Uh... The kid in next to him is Brightwell, maybe a little light for a middle linebacker, but uh, you know he he's played well. Uh, you know I, I, they could have used Quentin Virginis, and Virginis unfortunately not only was suspended for three games, but then suffered a non-football injury, and he's out for the year. Yeah, he's uh, not played. He's a guy that had four tackles against the Orange uh, last year, and was uh, another one sort of waiting his time uh, for 
a starting opportunity to open up. You mentioned frustrations with uh, Pat Narduzzi, who's gone exactly eight and five in two consecutive years. There's a lot of places that would sign up for eight and five, and he clearly put his imprint on the program really immediately. You know, it looked like he's a good fit for the Steel City. We're going to recruit tough players. We're going to play hardcore defense. Um, To what extent have things gotten sideways there? Well, here's the thing. A lot of people uh, subscribe to the theory that a coach's third year should be the blossoming year. Mm -hmm. Well, in his third year, he's got one of the youngest defenses in college football. We only have basically one senior, Maddox, and we only have three guys who have started before. So, you know, that newness is still a work in progress, and it's going to, you know, maybe take a little more time. But in the meantime, we're almost midseason, so I think some fans are now saying, okay, let's see what they do in the conference, and I think that's uh, what he's telling his team. We still can make noise in this conference. Pitt, in terms of uh, most of the defensive stats, total defense, passing defense, scoring defense, is uh, in the bottom uh, 20% in college football. They rank over 100 in all of those categories. You mentioned their rushing woes. Uh, here we're talking about Syracuse not running the football well enough. The Orange are at about 140 yards a game. Pitt only 114. That ranks, uh, again, near the bottom of uh, the major players in college football. They seem to, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, can stretch the field better than most teams, Pitt, uh, Bill, because of the the speed on the outside with Jester Wea and Cadre Henderson. Yes, and... Uh... You know, and I think that's what they're going to have to do because we've seen teams just pack the box and, and say, okay, we're, we're going to make your passing game beat us. Uh, Max Brown started out slow. And, you know, he's a graduate transfer. He's getting one year. So that's a lot of pressure on a guy to perform right away. Nathan Peterman had two years. Uh, and that's a big difference in the graduate transfer thing. Uh, and But we saw it last week. And uh, as Narduzzi said, I don't care if you're throwing against air. When you throw for... 400-plus and four touchdowns, you're pretty accurate. And that's what we saw from Max Brown last week. Well, the most uh, exciting thing for, for that, Brown, he had four incompletions, and as you accounted, uh, really three were drops. So uh, here's a guy that uh, clearly highly recruited. is the offensive back of the week in the uh, ACC and is coming in hot. Sounds like uh, benching him for a bit there. Uh, ben DiNucci played primarily against Oklahoma State, was uh, just kind of an attention grabber for Brown, and looks like it's worked. And Danucci started down at Georgia Tech, took him right down the field with the opening kickoff, and it's 7 nothing. and you're saying, wow, this is looking pretty good. Uh, what we didn't see coming was eight straight three-and-outs. Mm. And I understand you guys are, what, third in the country in three-and-outs, so uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, that's going to be a good matchup on third down. <laughs> three-and-outs, uh, one of the things that was not present uh, last year in the, uh, there, uh, in the game at Heinz Field. In fact, there were more uh, two-and-three play touchdown drives then there were uh, three and outs in that case. All right, Bill, we have a, a little rule on the show. Polly gets uh, one question per show, and uh, he's <laughs> he's going to u- use it on yours with the Steelers uh, taking on the Jaguars this Saturday. That's this Sunday at one. Uh, Steelers offense having a little uh, issue so far this season. Deion Sanders earlier in the week put a hundred percent of the blame on Ben Roethlisberger. Where do you see the issue with the Steelers offense is coming from? Yeah, Ben put it on himself after the Chicago game, but uh, what I saw last week was. Uh, vintage Ben, and you know Antonio got frustrated because he only had four receptions for the game, but they won the game. They won it convincingly, and I'm not so sure how good Baltimore is. I thought they'd be better, but you know they've got a whole lot of injuries again this year to deal with. Uh, but in the meantime, 
with uh, with the Le'Veon missing all of training camp and all of the preseason, it's taken him time to get that timing back, and it's back. And uh, he showed it last week, and, and I think that's onward and upward for all of that. The O-line, uh, they're deeper. Chris Hubbard, a good job for a couple of games subbing for Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. And so, you know, I look for that to get better as they get healthier. Uh, Jesse James has taken steps forward at the tight end position. And on the other side from Antonio, uh, you know, Martavis Bryant, he was out a whole year. Uh, when you're out of football a whole year, that's a lot of rust to shake. And I'm seeing some of that disappear, and I saw it last week again. The guy who's the X factor for the Steelers, I think, is Juju Smith-Schuster, the rookie from uh, Southern Cal. This guy, uh, he's he's a big, strong Heinz Ward. And and when you say that, boy, you you imply that you got a football player. That's a mouthful. And give give me eleven football players on both sides of the ball. I'll win most of the games I play here. That is uh, awesome stuff, Bill. We appreciate it. Uh, I know Polly and uh, Coach Sadlin and all of our uh, Steeler fans. There's a lot of them in the area. They appreciate uh, hearing from you. We're looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, and uh, hope you have safe travels. Okay. All right, and Matt, and I know you keep the football guys under control, but I guess it's a full-time job to keep Sadlin under control. Oh my gosh. I guarantee you, I guarantee you he's uh, got a club in his hand somewhere today. So uh, we, we know uh, he won't get too out of control and uh, looking forward to seeing him here out of uh, basketball practice pretty soon too. So good stuff, my friend, and uh, be safe down there. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Matt. That's the great uh, Bill Hillgrove for 40-plus years, the voice of uh, Pittsburgh Panther football and the Steelers uh, relatively briefly uh, just since the mid-'90s and, and been at it uh, a long time. Great guy, seen a lot of football and uh, be loved there in the Steel City. So you're satisfied there, Polly, with your update on the Steelers? Yeah. I'm, I haven't been really worried, but it's been the talk of, you know, when, when Steelers fans are talking, they're worried about the offense. So Okay. Well, a lot of football left to be played. Quarter of the season down in both uh, college and pro. About a half of our show down. We'll uh, get to the, I think really the lunchroom probably, should, we should have taped it. it. It's better discussion than what we have for you. We're also going to preview the crunch season opening on the weekend, Lucas Favalli, their new radio play-by-play voice that you'll hear on these airwaves throughout the season will be with us in just a bit as well. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are back in the booth here until 3 o'clock today. Back tomorrow, 2 to 3. Looking ahead to the Orange and Pit in the Carrier Dome, a 12.30 start on Saturday. And for those of you here in town, if you want to pull off the doubleheader, you can. The uh, Cuse football game in the Dome with a 12.30 start and the Crunch home opener on Saturday night at uh, 7 o'clock. Lucas Favalli, the new play-by-play voice of the Crunch, is with us. Good to see you, Lucas. And uh, ready to go. Just yesterday you were here, and uh, we were talking about you getting hired and and started, and bang, now we got to put you to work. Yeah, it's been a quick little uh, transition here, and hard <laughs> to believe the season's upon us, but really looking forward to it. Yeah, you get to start locally uh, an opening uh, series Friday night on the road, Saturday at home against Rochester, and uh, a good kind of way to kind of jump in there to, to the AHL, and, and uh, Syracuse and Roch is uh, still a big deal. Yeah, obviously it's one of the big rivals here for the Crunch, and, and we'll, we'll see Rochester a ton this year. It's, I mean, that's the way it goes. So yeah. you start with a home and home, or uh, you know, in Rochester tomorrow, seven oh five puck drop, uh, and then come right back home for the uh, the home opener and all sorts of fun, uh, you know, pregame ceremonies coming on on Saturday. 
Got the banner raising going on for the the championships last year, the Eastern Conference and North Division Championships. So, yeah, it'll be great. You know, we kidded when you came in before, and and for you uh, being new here, replacing Dan, who's off to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the offseason for hockey teams that go deep in the playoffs is so short, the quick turnaround. It it feels like for the fans coming in, uh, if they want to go to the game Saturday night or then uh, back at home next weekend, certainly with a banner raising, this is all fresh in everybody's mind uh, because it it feels uh, fairly recent that the the Crunch went all the way to the Calder Cup Finals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Crunch were playing into mid-June, which it's... That's a long season, obviously, and then it's a short off season, which is great in one regard for, you know, for it means you, you play deep into the year. But yeah. and the fans were great during the playoff run, packing the building every night. And uh, we hope to see that tomorrow, uh, I should say a Saturday for the, for the home opener. And uh, it's going to be a great night for sure with those banners going up. Of course, you can hear all the games with Lucas here on ESPN Radio in Syracuse. And tickets to Crunch Games are available at SyracuseCrunch.com. Uh, catch us up on the roster. Um, understandable that hard to keep hold of some of those veteran guys that were a, a big part of the run last year. Yeah, there's been a lot of turnover this year, which is expected in the American Hockey League, of course. Um, there's eight rookies coming in, so it's a big youth infusion uh, for this team this year. Now, some of them played a game or two at the end of last year right. when, when their junior years end and whatnot, um, but pretty much a, most of the team, it seems like, is embarking on their first full pro year. Um, so that obviously, you know, it, the consistency might become uh, a factor at some points, but there's a lot of talent with these young guys, too. Uh, you've got two brand-new goaltenders. One is a rookie, 20 years old, right out of juniors. And then you've got uh, the other goalie, Michael Layton, who is one of the most established AHL goalies of all time. He's fifth in wins in, in league history, leads the league all-time in shutouts. So just the, yeah. the comparison yeah. there is, is well, going to be fun to watch this year. Well, well, that's what we had last year in the playoff run, right? Was it, with this Mike McKenna was a, yeah. a veteran guy, 33 or 4, and, it, and exactly. out there everybody. Yeah, and Leighton's 36, and, and he's had a great NHL career. He's been, as I said, terrific in the AHL. So just seeing how those two interact throughout the course of the year is, is going to be uh, fun to watch. And, and Michael Leighton has been announced as tomorrow's starter, so... I think that's kind of what we expect. Probably see more of him early on, just with such a young team being able to lean on a guy who's been around for a long time and is obviously rock solid. Uh, it's big for the crunch. Yeah, I saw the note the other day that the Lightning have more former AHL players than any other uh, team in the league, but everybody's got a ton, obviously, because you know, in, in, in essence, it's the uh, AAA of hockey, and it uh, stands to reason that that people would uh, come through the league. But uh, that means there's a lot of familiar faces out there that are former Crunch players. Yeah, there's been so many who've come up through this organization. It's the sixth year of the affiliation, and it seems like every year there's five, six, seven, eight guys who get you know in a game here with the Crunch, and at least one, two, three, or most of the year with Tampa Bay. So it's been a great addition, you know, here in Syracuse, and a great partnership between the two organizations since it started in 2012. I'm. Uh, intrigued I think by uh, coach Ben Grew who I've not had the opportunity to meet but just kind of hearing his visits with Dan last year in particular uh, during the run and seems like and I know he used to uh, work in Rochester but seems like he's well suited to deal with his background in juniors and that type of thing with meshing these younger guys that are talented maybe but but uh, playing at the highest level in their career so far yeah Ben has been terrific for Syracuse and throughout his career, like you said, and, and he really is great at mixing and matching all the, you know, getting the chemistry together and finding the, the way to, to match these players. And uh, I expect that throughout the course of this year as well. And it's the, the big thing is where the leadership is going to come. And, and just this morning he announced, you know, the, the captains or the alternate captains this year. Of course, the crunch captain last year was Eric Condra, and he's uh, injured to start the year. He's still 
with Tampa Bay officially, so the Crunch are without an official captain as start the year, although Ben continues to say that it is Eric Condra once you know he's down here. So today, seven alternate captains, which is a lot, um, but it's you know pretty much all the returners or anyone who's been around and, and try to figure out where that leadership is going to emerge as the year goes along until Eric is, is healthy. So Ben is obviously going to lean on his players, which he does all the time. Uh, but he has been terrific here in Syracuse. Yeah, going to need that. And we we're talking off the air. I, I think he and Coach Beheim would be uh, kindred spirits a little bit because I know uh, for Ben, one of his things is he, he passes on the uh, hockey ritual of the shoot around or skate around the the morning of uh, these games, and that has to help in the long haul of seventy plus games on the schedule in a bus league. Yeah, the, the morning <laughs> skates are you know they're great in one regard. If if you're just coming off of a bus and get those you know the legs moving that day, but over the long course of a season, it, it does take a toll on the body. Just having to you know, get all your gear on and skate, whether it's a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, uh, for that morning skate, it, it does take a toll after 76 games. And I've been in places where morning skates are tough, and, <laughs> yeah. and you can tell by the end of the game, it's they've been working all day. So sure. it's good. You know, I, I think Ben has probably the right, right approach here, and it, it worked last year, and it's worked throughout his career to you know let his guys just get in in the morning, have a nice easy morning, nothing crazy, and then and get ready for the you know the game later that day. Okay, looking forward to seeing how it shakes out here and opener on the road uh, tomorrow night, and then uh, back home for Saturday night, and then uh, next weekend as well. Uh, staying local at the uh, start of the schedule here, at least. So we, we appreciate the time. Is uh, Polly getting you set up all right? You, you make sure you're going to get on the air. Yeah, I, I think he's got me good okay. to go. I, th- I think we're set. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm so far, fingers we don't crossed. Know until that red light goes on. All right, Lucas, thanks for being with us. Good luck. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. We'll be listening, Lucas Favalli, the new Crunch broadcaster. Games start on the weekend tomorrow in Rochester. Back home Saturday for the home opener at uh, seven o'clock. You can hear the games right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. An overwhelming majority of NBA general managers believe the Golden State Warriors will win the NBA championship this season. 93% of GMs responded in the annual league survey that the Warriors will walk away with the title for the second year in a row. That's the highest margin in the 16-year history of the survey. You know, to me, that's uh, a lot of things at play there. One, first of all, the Warriors are great. I think it's a nod toward Kevin Durant, who was so awesome last year that you're thinking, wow, this is the guy they added to the team that already had Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala and the rest. Um, so the Warriors are loaded. They're uh, clearly, barring a miracle, going to be right in the, the thick of it again or some sort of injury or disaster. Uh, this That 7% or whatever, you know, if you want to say – what were those seven thinking? Well, first of all, nobody wants it traced back to them that they didn't uh, pick their own team. I'm sure it's an anonymous uh, survey to begin with, but uh, every competitor thinks they've got a shot to win. And I will say this. I think when you look at Carmelo and Paul George going to the Thunder with Russell Westbrook and you look at what the Cavaliers are doing, one of these super teams, the Warriors are eventually not going to win anymore, and it's going to be because one of these super teams clicked in a year that uh, uh, for the Warriors they got an injury or, or were somehow off their game. I think that same survey, though, had some other interesting things like uh, you know LeBron James was the best small forward, best IQ, best passer. best He could be the best at a lot of different things in the league, which goes to show uh, how incredible he is. But uh, the Warriors as a team are uh, going to be, again, of course, the odds-on favorites. This is not the year that they will... Not win the championship again. I can okay. see in a couple of years, but 
Not this year. Well, I think after, depending on the contract status, after one of these years, somebody's going to poach a couple of those second-line players, Iguodala, Thompson, et cetera, and they'll lose a little bit of their mojo there, and then you'll wonder if that's going to be enough, or there'll be an injury during the finals or something like that. Denny Hamlin says NASCAR drivers are underpaid. The Joe Gibbs Racing Driver says their pay should be on par with what NFL and NBA players make the year based on the risks they take and their schedules. He's got a point there. I would say in life, everybody is paid what the market bears. If you want to make more than you make at your job, hold out. If you don't have the cojones or uh, equity in that type of conversation to hold out or to demand more, then that's on you. You know, And I, I think everybody can say that about about their own job to uh, a large extent. But uh, NASCAR drivers are probably, in general, not looked at in, as uh, athletes in the same way as others are or not given credit for what they do. But uh, think of how hard that must be to maintain the level of focus they have to for three and four hours at going uh, 200 miles an hour where the, the smallest mistake or lapse in attention uh, could kill them or somebody else. Uh, they they deserve what they get. I know that, uh, and perhaps it could be more. A St. Bernard in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, now holds the Guinness World Record for dog with the longest tongue at 7.3 inches. I, will, I, I told myself I'm not going to crack the easy jokes here, so <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep... The, the, the easy one you got to let, let go. The, the, let the sleeping dog lie, is there? <laughs> um, we didn't get to this segment on yesterday's show, which probably nobody noticed or cared, speaking of, of do we care. And I said to Joe, I think you probably could hold this one over for one day to the next. I don't think the record's going to be broken uh, <laughs> overnight. Um, how do they measure? Like, it seems to me that's not very long to be the record and that that could be beaten. And are St. Bernard's predisposed to have longer tongues? There's just so many questions, uh, not to mention who would do the measuring or the caring. And I just really don't care. The Joe. owner had to have seen the tongue and gone, that's, Gee, that's extremely a long. long. <laughs> let's, well, uh, let's get Guinness on the phone. Matt, I had the same thought when I read it that uh, you had, and then I saw the picture. They had a picture of the dog's uh-huh. tongue, and it's it's unusually long for, for a dog that uh, that big, so to speak. I was going to say, it's a very big dog, the St. <laughs> yes, Bernard. it's a very big dog. <sighs> Good talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just a just a lot of lot going on there. So here, here's something I do care about that I, I think bears uh, further discussion. It does come from the lunchroom, and there was a lot going on there. I would say the lunchroom percolates on a regular basis, but today it seemed to be especially uh, vibrant, Polly, with lots of different conversations and uh, Luke Colton Court back there. Um, do you start with the fruit he claims that he does not eat or prefer? fruit that has been warmed so yeah fruit in a bowl he won't eat it's got to have come from the refrigerator right well i would say the most damning is to say would not eat for instance pie a la mode or pie with melted and it well, forget about even if they're melting the ice cream which is beyond delightful doesn't want to go with hot pie he's going to have the pie the next day after it's cooled off sat out been thrown in the fridge and i while i love cold pie I couldn't disagree more. Like, the, I mean, there's few treats better than warm cherry pie or apple pie. I agree 100%. I found it even more bizarre The I won't eat an apple unless it's been in the fridge for That's 24 incredible. hours. 
Apple right off the tree. What's what's fresher than that? That's so if there's a apple picking weekend for many uh, coming up here. So By the way, for those of you considering going apple picking between twelve noon and four o'clock on Saturday, there also will be apples to pick later that day or on Sunday. I'm just going to tell you that. And then next weekend, when you're all thinking about apples, there's no apple picking to be done on Friday night. Pick your apples on Saturday the fourteenth, Sunday the fifteenth. All the apples you want, fill them up. Go to the stores, make your pie, make your crisp, make your apple brown Betty, make your apple butter. That's the apple time. There's a football game going on. Come to the football game. Um, But here's the other thing about the fruit. Do not sleep on grilled fruit, warmed fruit, right? I know like Brent wanted to take me to task or whatever. Pineapple doesn't belong on a pizza. If you don't like it, that's fine. There's more for me. I happen to like pineapple on a pizza occasionally. But even better than that, like I'm not going to stump for pineapple pizza. I will stump for grilled fruit and vegetables. I agree with that 100%. Right? Grilled zucchini and all that stuff. You, you love that stuff. Who doesn't? But then grill the pineapple. Put it in a kebab. Grill the peach or the pear or the... Delightful. I agree 100% with you, Matt Park. I could not... Now... Grilled pineapple is underrated. It's, it's Of course it, it is. It's as good as it gets off the grill. I'll blow your mind. Put pineapple on a burger. I like it. Okay. Now, if you were to get to idiosyncrasies with the food, um, I don't like cooked nuts, right? Like you know, walnuts and stuff like that. They're in bread. I mean, it's not that I won't eat it. I I don't get this big without eating stuff, but I I I would prefer not to have that. I would rather have it raw. Yeah, we've had this discussion. Boiled peanuts is a big thing on our road trips. You don't eat the boiled. That's a big southern thing. Every every roadside stand from between. Here in Clemson has roadside peanuts. Forget about it. That's a very <laughs> South Carolina, Georgia thing, the boiled boiled peanuts. Would not recommend it. I don't think most Yankees like to eat those. And uh, But and I'll eat peanuts out of the shell at the ball game all day long. I'll, I'll eat a bag as big as my head. And, uh, tomorrow, maybe we could throw out the topic that also came up in the kitchen, was is carving pumpkins an idea for a, a for good a idea date. for that a was blind a, date? That was a great call by you. It's a think, horrible idea. <laughs> I think what I took from that, Polly, first of all, I think it's probably an okay idea for a blind date or for a first date or whatever. The fact that you were shrewd enough to decline that invitation because of how you would present in a, a first date situation, I think I actually is one of the rare situations where I gained credit with you. Like, Cause I'm you, impressed. Because if you can't, if you go on a blind date and carve a pumpkin and it comes out with a triangle eyes and the crooked mouth, you look like you did it. Like Serial a, killer. Yeah, like a three year old with a butter knife yeah. did it. You're going to look stupid to the girl. You don't want to do that. You, that it's, you're not, your, it's a no win situation. You're not in position to succeed, I would say. And then if you make a really pretty one, you look like a, someone who has way too much time <laughs> and doesn't know. You're like, why is this guy. Making the Mona Lisa on a pumpkin. Does he have any <laughs> any other hobbies? What is happening? Wonderful time of the year. Thanks, Joe. Thank Re- you. Really thought you participated well in that uh, <laughs> that segment. Appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow for what did we learn on the show, including Dino Baber's hair removal technique, and Syracuse.com has continued its reporting on that. We'll uh, try to. Get into that with uh, Coach Babers on the show tonight at the Marriott Syracuse downtown. We'll be there from 7 to 8. Vincent Reynolds, the defensive ends coach, will be uh, Coach Babers' guest tonight. All podcasts are available on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse in iTunes. 
And subscribe to get the best of our shows sent straight to your phone or computer. You can listen anytime to Orange Nation in the booth and on the block. And I guess tonight we're once again going to have to cobble together a fantasy football team. If you go to our website at ESPNSyracuse.com, click on the fantasy football picture, you can join, field the team, clearly beat ours. It's even money as to whether we even draft the team in time before the deadline tonight. Louisville and NC State as well. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.